0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. And Sam, I I jokingly said, huh, guess what? It's raining again. And it's raining everywhere. And I think it's kind of put a little bit of a downturn on these markets as you look at the effects of all this moisture in the Midwest
1: yeah and and you know i don't know if we've just got ahead of ourselves here in the corn market or not i mean i would expect you may have funds along uh, you know 200,000 plus but we've also seen this July contract squeeze a little bit here over the last week and i think part of that is is commercial buying and so some of these estimates you know that i saw some of the estimates are saying that funds were already long 238,000 contracts or something going home Friday. I felt like that was maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit on the high side of what I would expect to be happening because I think what's going on is some of the commercials have been caught short and they've been forced to buy either buy the July contract or improve their bids strong enough to actually source that grain. Uh, we've seen basis jump quite a bit, primarily in the eastern corn belt where you've already got 30 to 50 over bids in corn. Um, and I think that's just going to kind of be the theme for the year. Uh, all the way into harvest. So it would be interesting to see how things shake out, but we know things don't have to go straight up, straight down. The trend in corn is up, but the trend line may be, uh, you know, 20 or 30 cents below the market yet here.
0: So playing the devil's advocate, there's only 8% of the corn that isn't planted, but there's still 8% of the corn that isn't planted across the U.S.,
1: Right, and and it's you know rare that you always necessarily get to a hundred percent you know once you kind of get to that ninety five you know number, it's kind of like, okay, you know, whatever's left is left, um, but gotta recognize, and there was a lot of talk about this online yesterday that uh... you know as we increase those percentage planted, uh per percent planted numbers, that some of that could also be coming in the form of prevent plant. And I know USDA made some comments in uh, their commentary for the state of Michigan in particular. Uh I believe they saw a 20% improvement in progress, but they noted that a good chunk of that was just farmers that more or less gave up, and that acre is no longer intended to be seeded anymore, so you've got that much more planted. Um But I do, you know, there's a lot of estimates out here about what prevent plant could, could be uh and could not be. Either way, we've got a serious situation out here. And the harvested acres number, I think, at the end of the year, the yield is going to be where most of this is coming. In my personal opinion, I don't, I don't know that you can have 9 to 12 million acres of prevent plant corn. I think the, the cost to not plant it this year for a lot of farmers, I think, was just too high. Um, and the fact that we opened that weather window up here a week and a half ago where we didn't think we were going to be able to, uh, I think it's probably the difference of, in at least 3 to 5 million acres, uh, you know, maybe at least one and a half to 2 in Illinois, uh, Specifically, So uh, do I think that, you know, we can plant 85 to 88 still? Yeah. I mean, if I had to put a number on it today, I've heard about corn being planted where cotton usually is. I've heard of where soybean stands weren't good. They tore them up and planted corn, a lot of 80- and 90-day corn. So let's not, you know, get into a banner too early here about what that stuff is going to yield. But if it's planted as an acre, it's planted, and uh, I don't want to get the cart in front of the horse. I'm thinking that those acres are going to be, you know, severely lower than where, you know, we should expect them to be. And keep in mind too, some of these comparisons are being made, you know, in years for 2013, 2011. Keep in mind the base prices that year, 2011 corn base price was like $6. So yeah, $1,000 an acre guarantee in your crop insurance. It is easier to walk away when you're getting a check for $500 compared to, you know, 300 of maybe
0: been this year you know i saw on social media too um yesterday talking about fields not planted and they're talking about central illinois was hard to see june 17th but it's a picture that we're going to continue to see and when you weigh out the pros and cons and the dollars and marketing like you said some of these guys might be leading towards that prevent plant and crop insurance
1: absolutely and i think in some cases it was just too too late um and too bad a conditions to even try. And, and a lot of guys didn't want to make that decision, but unfortunately they just had to. It just it wasn't going to happen. And now we've kind of turned our focus to this taking place in the soybean market. And I think if there's going to be a surprise on prevent plant acres, it could come in the bean market because there's a lot less inputs in that crop. Uh, prices still aren't really where people would really prefer them to be, especially if you have to plant in the second, third week, you know, last week of June or even into July. Uh, so unless we see a, a rising, a continually rising market, uh, are we really going to attract people to do anything, you know, that late? And we look at the forecast, it's not providing probably a lot of incentive or a lot of opportunity to get a planter across the field. And, and, you know, we had, what were we, 77% planted yesterday. So you got, you know, 19 plus or minus million acres out here as of Sunday that's somewhere in the ground for this bean crop. And essentially, could end up being double crop beans or the equivalent of that.
0: So for the guys that have the corn, they've got the beans in the ground and they're watching the rain come down knowing that, okay, I'm okay. Does it give them some marketing advantages, do you think, when it comes to looking ahead on some prices?
1: Without question. I mean, I think you have to you know the metrics of your farm. I think the toughest uh, situation a guy could be in is, is to be in one of these areas. And even when you see uh, you know, prices rise and you want to make an incremental sale, you know, it's just like we talked about with the, the planted acreage. Well, you're 92% planted in Cornwall. 92% of what? You know, what's 10% of your crop? Are you looking at a, you know, 150 potential or a 220 potential, a 200? And there could just be such a wide, um, you know, possibility there in so many areas. But if you got it in early, uh, and even if it's not perfect, but it's off to, you know, as close to normal as could be for 2019, then you got to be looking for those opportunities. And if you got a whole crop left, uh, just the same. I mean, you know what it means to you when you cash that check. Uh, just be cognizant of what it means. uh, moving forward.
0: We haven't heard a lot, though, about old crops sitting in the bin. Did it just kind of lose its momentum out there?
1: Uh, To a certain degree. I mean, these areas where they didn't get anything planted, I think a lot of that uh, grain is just going to be retained. You know, we talked about this July contract being squeezed and and maybe that much more uh, corn being, you know, brought literally off the market. Uh, and, of course, we're going to have demand destruction uh, when you look at the, you know, the export situation. I think we were going to probably have that to a certain degree anyways, as flooded as these river systems are. But a lot of that could be recouped in the sense that these commercials are trying to, you know, buy grain to keep it domestically because they're fearful that they just won't be full at harvest and they won't have that supply in general. Um, you know, feed needs, guys, you know, how how many people had all their feed needs locked in for a, a rally like this? Probably, probably not many, but now we've ripped the Band-Aid off. We know there's a serious issue. Uh, and, and I think the breaks are going to be for buying, and you could still, you know, maybe get a flush of this corn market with the size of the longs we've got in the in here. If you print an acreage number higher than what the trade is expecting here at the end of the month,
0: well, it is definitely going to make for some interesting times. Stick around, folks. We're going to dive more into what's happening within the markets. Look at the livestock side as well, because you just heard Sam talk about that feed need. We'll see what his thoughts are as we move towards, believe it or not, later this fall. Stick around. More is coming up. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. What? welcome back to the Fontenelle final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield sam hudson joins us the corn belt marketing let's look at the world export demand obviously it's been on the slower side we know that harvest is pretty much done in south america and we're sitting where we're sitting what are your thoughts when it comes to demand and exports right now
1: and I think, you know, there's still, uh, you know, plenty of chatter about the trade situations. Uh, and I believe that was even in the news today a little bit. I think we had crude oil up over $2 a barrel at one point. I think there was a comment from Trump that he was going to be speaking with the Chinese, uh, with, with President Xi at ahead of and at the G20 again. But honestly, you know, when you get in supply situations like this, I, I don't know that the trade war, and don't, you know, take this the wrong way, but it's almost like the trade war gets back It almost like it doesn't matter because when there's nothing to battle over, when there's nothing to war over, it really doesn't matter and it becomes a world market all over again so uh, i tend to think that asf is actually probably a bigger factor there because we know that you know we lost some bean demand but so has brazil the the world in general has lost it it's not that that demand disappeared it's just that the u.s. got put to the back of the line and since then we've uh, seen that far reduced because uh, of the their herd situation over there so I, I think the interesting thing about this is what if we do end up getting in a situation where we do cut some bean acres out of the equation maybe cut some yield off and cut a billion bushel off of our bean crop and you end up with a carry out of five or six hundred million after some further demand cuts yet. But when that happens, you know, if, if that ASF situation has been remedied by next spring or summer, you fast forward 12 months, then the question becomes when can we start dumping or sprinkling that demand back on top of the market if we've reduced supply at a time where that demand was really hurt? Um, You know, when do we replenish them, and and when we do, where is the demand at that point in time? And I think that's the big question moving forward here. And what it leads into, in my opinion, is a potential for an acreage battle here around the world by by year end because you're sending corn prices high enough and wheat prices high enough that you may gather some more acres of corn and wheat around the world in lieu of soybeans, which is the opposite of what we've seen in the last couple of years.
0: The cheaper currency in South America, is that going to hurt us much right now, or is it just like you said, just this waiting game?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always gonna, gonna hurt a little bit, but keep in mind, you know, again, with our river situation and everything, I think those the export cuts were coming anyways for corn, and we're such a stalwart in terms of overall production that, you know, the world market is gonna have to adjust to the troubles that we're finding. So, uh, but yeah, South American, uh, you know, supplies are going to be cheaper than ours right now. Domestically, you know, these commercials aren't going to let it out of the country for now anyways. You know, all this old crap and everything that we thought was going to be coming at us, it's still out there, but, um, you know, it's basically all just become a new, a new crop again uh, because we don't want to let go of it and, you know, the export loss, you don't really feel it right now anyways. You've got basis rallying, uh, you yeah, spreads rallying. And I think we're going to stay that way here moving forward. And, and again, that may be an opportunity to sell corn off the combine this year and put beans in the bin and see if we can get a better bean basis here into next spring.
0: Now, here's something we haven't really talked about, and you did bring it up just a moment ago, is African swine fever. It seems to have gotten quiet. Now, last time we saw it get this quiet, then we saw a sudden surge again in other countries.
1: Yeah, and you don't know what to believe or what not to believe coming out of there. Um, Typically, you know, I guess the fact that we haven't heard of more spreading, I guess that's good news. Uh, The fear is always that you can get something like that in the U.S., but I don't think we would be as plagued with it if it did happen, Uh, and you hope that that doesn't have to happen at all. Obviously, it would strike a lot of fear into the market, but uh, for the time being, I think we have to assume that long-term, at some point, it is going to be remedied. And, you know, there's going to be a short term potential boost for other proteins, but depending on how long it lasts, eventually, that again, that demand is going to come back to the market. And I think long term, I think we have a little bit of optimism there going to China because when they come back from this, I have to guarantee that they're going to be a lot more efficient in terms of how they produce their hogs, which means... Uh, you know, it's just more like a machine. And, that, and then once that machine gets going, it, it's hard to slow it down.
0: So uh, I had a cattle guy say to me, he goes, is it just me or does nobody really seem to care or worry about feed consumption this fall? Now, it's got to be building eventually here, Sam, into a concern as we see the late plantings all across the U.S.
1: Yeah, and there's some talk online about that today. You know, do you see some really short season corn varieties up north in areas where they couldn't get, you know, harvestable crop uh, I guess planted? But do they put that up just for forage or feed or you know chop whatever they can here later on in the year? Um, right now, what the feeders are trying to figure out, first off, it, and, and this has plagued the feeder cattle market, is no one is really in a big hurry to replace. You know, who wants to keep you know adding animals when you got to pay four fifty or you know four seventy a bushel corn? Uh, to feed that animal, so we're going to kind of reinvigorate all the all the feed margins, or excuse me, feed the ingredients and rations and stuff like that. Uh, and this is part of the reason why the ethanol. We didn't see any cuts to ethanol demand here for corn in this last report. Well, keep in mind the product prices. Ethanol has been going straight up with corn as well, uh, and DDG has become a lot more valuable when the price of corn rallies the way it has. So it's actually for the short term being able to keep these ethanol guys, at least the efficient ones, in the game because margins are still there. And as long as we can keep that going, uh, you know, the better benefit uh, we have to, to see that. But ultimately, yeah, the feed's going to be an interesting uh, topic of conversation here moving forward. And if you dump some heat onto this crop this summer, things will really get interesting.
0: Very much so. Let's hopefully we pick up some warmer temps as well to get those grills going.
1: Absolutely. And in the meantime, you got to see cash markets there and the livestock, in my opinion, lead the way higher. Um, it felt like we tried to start doing that here in the feeder cattle market, but just isn't getting a lot of traction.
0: What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam?
1: or www.cornbeltmarketing.com.
0: All right. Thanks so much, Sam Hudson, joining us today. It is the Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.